You're listening to More Than a Song, episode 298. And welcome to this episode of More Than a Song. My name is Michelle Nizat, and this is the podcast dedicated to helping you discover the truth of Scripture hidden in today's popular Christian music. My goal is to teach you to connect portions of God's Word with the songs they're singing along with on the radio, to help you meditate on truths that will transform your way of thinking and ultimately your life. I absolutely love to consider the big theme of Scripture. There is a red thread of redemption that weaves its way from Genesis to Revelation. And this week's song, Rescue Story, by Zach Williams, sings of that red thread, that rescue story that we find in the Bible. And we really need to take on the challenge of taking a bite at a time and making our way through all of Scripture so that we can then step back to see that this rescue story is found throughout. And I have this kid's storybook Bible, and it puts it this way. It says, every story whispers his name. So for this week, I want to stay in the book of Ruth, where we see this beautiful rescue story that whispers the name of our own rescuer, Jesus Christ. So before we head back over to the book of Ruth, like where we were last week, let's listen. followed the weekly challenge from last week's episode, you have read the book of Ruth and it's only four chapters and it is really best taken in all at once. So that leads me to the bite of read and keep on reading, especially when it's a story that you can get all the way through. You would never watch a movie one scene at a time, right? And pause and then think about it before moving on to the next scene. So don't treat this story any different. Watch the whole movie and then start to look into the details. Oh, and and what's a BITE? A Bible Interaction Tool Exercise. It's just an acronym. To uh, These are just exercises that I use to keep my time in God's Word varied and exciting. And it helps me, again, interact with God's Word rather than just read it. So another BITE that is super super helpful when interacting with a story like this is the BITE of repetition. If you pair that, meaning reading it, reading it again and again and again. So if you if you pair that with the bite of listening to an audio version of the book of Ruth and then mix it up with the bite of listening or reading in various translations, you will really begin to um, internalize the story. Now, over the past few weeks, I've hosted a women's Bible study in my home, and we have been reading and studying the book of Ruth. And much of what I'm sharing with you is what we are doing to engage with this section of scripture. And it's really going great. Um, And so I wanted to share some of what we're doing with you. One of the things that we're doing is storying. Uh, We learned this practice or we're learning this practice from a friend of mine who lived in the Middle East and encountered a very verbal society. Not unlike the Cajun culture, we're a very verbal, story-driven society. Honestly, probably like most cultures, we all love a good story, right? So, But storying is where you practice telling the story until you're comfortable with it, and then you share the story 
and strike up conversations around the details of the story. And if you're really intentional, you can point the listener to the gospel message, that red thread of redemption that I've been telling you about. Now, this practice of storying takes practice. And so the way that we're practicing in our group is that one of us will start the story like... In the days in which the judges ruled, a man named Elimelech took his wife Naomi and two sons to the land of Moab because there was a great famine in the land of Israel. And then I would pass, let's say, to the next person who might say something like, uh, now Elimelech dies and leaves Naomi with her two sons who eventually take Moabite wives. And then after 10 years, they die, leaving Naomi and her daughters-in-law Orpah and Ruth alone. And then that gal would pass to the next lady who might say, Naomi heard there was food again in her home country, and so she decided to return. And on and on around the table. Now, if you don't have a group of friends to practice this with, that's okay. You can still do this. You'll just have to learn the whole story yourself and then use the bite of sharing with a friend. In fact, one of the ladies in my group did this. She was just struck up a conversation at work, um, telling her coworker about what she was studying. The friend didn't know anything about Ruth, and so she just told the story. She had read it often enough and specifically enough just to retell the story to this coworker. Uh, so storying has turned out to be an amazing practice I, that I really want to use in groups over and over and over again because it keeps you more accountable for retaining the scripture at least well enough to tell the overarching story. It is such a powerful tool. So why did I choose Ruth again when inspired by a song about Jesus being our rescue story? Well, because Ruth offers a type and shadow of Christ in the redemption story that we see. He truly is our rescue story. And of course, he's not mentioned by name in the book of Ruth. But we need to remember that every story whispers his name. Now, Jesus himself speaks of this in John 5, 39 and 40. He's addressing some Jews uh, who they didn't get it. They wanted to they were seeking to kill him, actually. Yes, uh, kill him. And I, I do want to pause here for a minute and say, I know that we know that the story Christ of Christ ends with the death on a cross. But I just want to think about it for a minute about how crazy it is that he was so influential in his message and it was spoken with such authority and power that the only way that they could think of to stop him was to kill him. And I know that it was much more acceptable part of the culture in those days. I still don't think it was a light thing to disagree with someone to the extent that that's your solution, that you want to kill them. But anyway, and perhaps I just really don't understand the culture. I know I really don't understand the culture, but I still don't think even in the midst of that culture that it's a light thing. But so Jesus is talking a lot in this section of scripture. He's speaking to these people who want to kill him. But he says specifically this. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. Yet you refuse to come to me that you may have life. Wow. So the scriptures that the people of Jesus' time had included the book of Ruth. All right. And then again, Jesus on the road to the, on the road to Emmaus, he is a risen savior at this time. And he was speaking with some of his disciples who did not recognize him. Scripture says this in um, verse 27, it says, and beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he or Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. So 
all the stories of the Old Testament whisper the name of Jesus, and the book of Ruth would have been among these scriptures that whisper his name. So having said that, let's move into the book of Ruth. Now, it is going to be imperative that you read Ruth for yourself. It might even be wise to stop this podcast and either listen to it really quick or read it before you continue on with the podcast if you have not recently read it. Or listen to the podcast, go read Ruth, and then listen to the podcast again just to really see where I'm coming from. But I do want to point out a few big picture details of this story. First of all, it was a dark time in the history of Israel. It happens in the backdrop of the days in which the judges ruled, which in the book of Judges has been described as a time when people forgot the Lord their God and did whatever seemed right in their own eyes. Okay, so this is the backdrop. Lay this story on top of that backdrop, and you see that it is a bright, shining light displayed in these people of Naomi and Ruth and Boaz. So you see Naomi uh, returning to the promised land. Last week's podcast is all about where she returned from. It's a great compliment to this episode. So Naomi has gone away full with a husband and two sons, but returned empty, just a widow with her daughter-in-law. She describes it as empty, but she had no idea how full her life already was because Ruth was in it. Uh, But in this very dark age in Israel's history, however, there, there were still a faithful few. And Boaz was one of those faithful servants of God. His actions showed that he followed the ways of the Lord. He is also described in Ruth chapter 2 as a worthy man. But in his actions, he shows that um, with his words that he serves the Lord, he greets his servants using uh, the Lord in his greeting, and his kind treatment and manner toward Ruth the Moabite, um, and in some of his business practices, just allowing um, foreigners or poor to gather in his fields. But in Ruth chapter 2, verse 10, after Boaz shows her Ruth favor and offers her a place to gather wheat or, and barley that is safe and secure, in verse 10 it says, Then she fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favor in your eyes that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? Now, Boaz doesn't say this. His actions show that he is a follower of God's law, which clearly states in Exodus 23, it says, do not oppress a foreigner. You yourselves know how it feels to be foreigners because you were foreigners in Egypt. But Boaz, he ends up treating Ruth with respect and kindness and generosity. And then when Naomi hears which field Ruth had ended up in that day, we see her response in verse 20. It says, and Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, may he be blessed by the Lord whose kindness has not forsaken the living or the dead. Naomi also said to her, the man is a close relative of ours, one of our redeemers. So, um, you see in this in this story kind of beginning to unfold how the characters relate to one another. But Naomi goes on to instruct Ruth to stay working in Boaz's field throughout the barley and wheat harvests, which would have been at least a couple of months, at least um, from what I can uh, discern in, in my research. But it is after this passage of time that Naomi says, okay, I got to find a home for Ruth where she's going to be provided for. And so she instructs Ruth in the ways of the culture of that time 
to basically ask Boaz to marry her, okay? So specifically, Ruth says to Boaz, spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. Now, it is an interesting account that we might not understand in our culture today. And in fact, when you read this scene, when Ruth um, um, interacts with Boaz and asks him to redeem her, uh, it may actually seem a little offensive to our way of thinking. But if you read it in the big picture, you will see that both Ruth and Boaz act with purity and integrity in a very intimate scene. All right, so Boaz actually, through this scene, even though we may not get it, he understands exactly what Ruth is asking. And again, he responds with integrity and kindness and agrees to redeem her. And like with any good story, there's a catch. You know, that scene in the story when you think it's going to end in happily ever after, but then there's some sort of interruption. So the interruption scene in the book of Ruth is that there is another man who is closer in line to redeem. And Boaz approaches this unnamed redeemer at the city gate where business matters are discussed in front of witnesses. And at first, the closer relative seems to agree to redeem Naomi's land, uh, to buy it back from uh, Naomi, to keep it in the family, so to speak, because this other unnamed redeemer would have been also in the family. But when he discovers that the redemption includes marrying Ruth so she can keep the family line her husband's family line intact. It was too risky a proposition for the unnamed redeemer. So then he declines and then Boaz agrees to redeem. All right. Then Boaz and Ruth get married and God gives them a son and they name him Obed. And the story ends with a brief genealogy placing Obed directly in the line of King David. And we know that King David is directly in the lineage of Christ, our ultimate redeemer. All right. So that is the big recap. You can see here that the story of Ruth is a rescue story. Naomi was rescued from her emptiness. Ruth was rescued from her barrenness and her widowhood. And the people of Israel were ultimately rescued from their disobedience. You see, through this gift of King David, right? And then we are ultimately rescued from an eternity separated from God because of Christ. Now, I understand... (laughs) Um, if you're perhaps you're not too sure about this kinsman redeemer business. So depending on your version, your version may say redeemer or kinsman redeemer, but it was baked into the law of God. You see, a kinsman redeemer was a male relative who had the privilege or responsibility to act on behalf of a relative who was in trouble, in danger or need. And so the Hebrew word for kinsman redeemer is goel and designates one who delivers or rescues. And it's very akin to how God delivered his people. In Exodus 6, 6, God declares that he will go El. It says, say therefore to the people of Israel, I am the Lord, and I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians, and I will deliver you from slavery to them, and I will redeem you. I will go El you with an outstretched arm and with great acts of judgment. This is in his conversation with Moses sending him to go and uh, set my people free, you know, from Pharaoh in, in, uh, uh, when they were still in Egypt. But it also, so God refers to himself at, using that word. This is something he's going to do. But it also refers to one who redeems property or person. There's a lot of examples of this in Leviticus and some in Deuteronomy. 
perhaps you've read something like in Leviticus, if your brother becomes impoverished and sells some of his property, his nearest of kin may come and redeem, go L, what his brother has sold. Or if a man has no one to go L it, redeem it for him, but he prospers and acquires enough to redeem his land, he shall calculate the years since its sale, repay the balance to the man to whom he sold it, and return to his property. And so those kinds of, you know, when you begin to read in those areas and your eyes start to glaze over because you're not really sure what all this means, you can know that Goel is the redemption and the redeemer. And it describes God and his redemption practices. And uh, it also describes the redemption practices that he expects his people to follow as he laid that out in his law in several places. That is what's happening in the book of Ruth. In Ruth, we see a beautiful picture of a woman in need, unable to rescue herself, requesting of the kinsman redeemer that he cover her with his protection, redeem her, and make her his wife. In the same way, this is where it ties in, okay? In the same way, the Lord Jesus Christ bought us for himself. Galatians 3 puts it this way, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, Gentiles, that would be all of us, unless you're Jewish, so that we uh, might, of, the, of Jewish descent, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. So not through being um, children of Abraham uh, on in a lineage sort of way, but through the promise of the spirit, but, by, but sons and daughters of Abraham by faith. Okay. So Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law. All right. The author of Hebrews describes Christ, our redeemer this way. He says, therefore, he, Jesus, is the mediator of a new covenant so that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance since a death has occurred that redeems them from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. All right, so we have all this law that no one can keep. We have to be redeemed. We have to have a redeemer. And so Christ is that mediator of that new covenant so that he and his death has redeemed us. He bought us for himself with his blood. He became a curse for us. He redeemed us out of our destitution and he made us his own beloved bride. Ephesians chapter five describes this mystery. It says, husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. Paul goes on to say that the mystery of man and wife is representative of Christ and his bride, the church. And you, you hear in Revelation of the church being referred to as the bride and you see um, the bride, uh, Jesus being described as the bridegroom in many areas as well. So can you see this? Jesus is our rescue story. 
And this beautiful story that we've encountered in Ruth is just a snippet or an example or a type and shadow of that rescue story. So what's next? We'll explore the rescue story as told in the book of Ruth. Read the entire account several times. I gave you the the Cliff's Notes. Oh, there's such beauty in there. Read it in different translations. Something might pop out at you or you might understand it a little bit better in a different translation. Admire the beauty of this bright spot shining in a very dark age. Delight in the details of a charming story. Don't forget that it really happened to real people, but rehearse it often enough that then you can share the story with a friend. And finally, consider how this story whispers the name of our own Redeemer, Jesus Christ. And while you're in God's Word this week, let me know how you're doing. Email me, michelle at michellekneesat.com. You can hop on Twitter or Instagram at michellekneesat. My public page is Michelle L. Nizat on Facebook. And let's talk about what you're learning. Now, before I tell you what song will be featured next week, I want to thank any new subscribers who have subscribed recently, like Heather from New Mexico and Kelly from Virginia. Welcome. Now, new subscribers to my website will benefit from a one-page resource of my top five bites that I've used on the podcast. It's a really great place to start. Subscribers will also benefit from an email that I send once a week. And in that email, you get a weekly memory verse resource to display on your smartphone, tablet, or desktop, or you can print it out if you want. You get an email recap of the week's episode, and you get instant access to any of the resources I create for my episodes from time to time. And all of that is just my way of saying thank you for listening. So head over to michellekneesat.com to subscribe today. Now, have you had a chance to write a review in iTunes for the podcast yet? Well, this really encourages me, of course, but it also helps me stay visible to new listeners. So as always, if you take the time to review my podcast, I will take the time to personally thank you right here on the podcast. And of course, you can listen to the podcast through iTunes or the Apple Podcast app. You can follow on Spotify or through Stitcher Radio or your podcast listening app of choice. Well, that's it for this episode of More Than a Song. Next week, I will be replaying the episode using Dennis Jernigan's song, Thank You, Lord. It gives some really good bites to focus our hearts and minds to be grateful as we explore scripture. And I hope it's a perfect compliment to any of my American listeners celebrating Thanksgiving next week. And to my international listeners, we can all use a good reason to be grateful. But if you liked this episode, would you mind sharing it with others? I've made it really easy. With just one click, you can share via Facebook, Twitter, or email. Uh, you just head over to michellekneesat.com forward slash 298. And while you're there, I'd love to hear from you. Click on comment to join the conversation. Until next time, take time to meditate on God's word and consider his ways.